We interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Make your selection now. Hey, it's Coolio if you don't know, and it is time for yet another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 in lovely downtown Halifax, where it is uh, quite nice out right now, but uh, we will get to the weather in about half an hour's time. For now, uh, I will mention this as your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky, and is also available on CKDU.ca all over the place, all over the time. Um, let us take a look at what is new over at lowbiasgaming.net. Uh, we have, um, a little bit there. We have four, five, five, yes, five new videos of Vagrant Story. I believe that is also including the, um, I'm not sure if, uh, it includes the end of the first loop. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it does. Um, I know that that was recently, I just don't know how recently. Anyway, check it out. And uh, Scarlet, uh, finally back on the board, brings us four new episodes of Darkest Dungeon and uh, three episodes of The Third Birthday, which I'm, I didn't even notice that that, um, that was a thing that he was doing. Apparently, Parasite Eve 3? Okay. Um, so yeah, even I'm discovering the mysteries of this... Um, of these posts along with you viewers. Um, of course, the 165 days of uh, the Super Nintendo is still going strong with the latest post being R-Type 3 that was posted today. Several new episodes of Mystery Science Theater are also available for your perusal. And I think some, um, some soundtracks too. I don't have a list of those right now, so um, just kind of kind of take my word for it, I suppose. But uh, yeah, that is what's going on at Low Bias Gaming, and um, here's what's going on over at Square Wave Symphony, which this is on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Who'd have thought?
You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was City 2 by Loco Melito, and it is part of today's game from the archives. Long forgotten is the legend of Garadan, the bird of thunder in his fight with Gyoda, the fire beast. But now mankind has discovered the egg of, Ge- of Guayoda within Mount Teide, and it's a matter of time until Garadan returns from the sky to fight his ancestral enemy and punish men for their actions. Fly around the Canary Islands and destroy cities, armies, and colossal creatures in your path through a precision shmup. Controlling Garadan requires skill, since its movement is unstoppable and its attack can be oriented to hit ground or air targets. This is Garadan, which is an action shooter game, or arcade rather, shooter game, developed and published by Loco Melito and released in 2013. And um, it's kind of a fun little romp. It's not something that uh, you're going to be playing for too, too long at a time. I mean, even if you were to get through the entire game, you'd probably spend like maybe 20 to 25 minutes on it. It's not a very long game, but it's a fairly hard game. And Scarlet did give it a couple of attempts back in December of 2017 where we were playing Locomolito games specifically. Uh, so that's one vid- video available there on lowbiasgaming.net. And if I may do a little bit of cross-promotion, if you're looking for some more local Melito games and you're listening to this live, um, you can check out uh, Lolo de Puzzlo, uh, L-O-L-O-D-E-P-U-Z-L-O, um, on Twitch, uh, where he will be playing several local Melito games today. So check it out.
That was Game Genie Sokolov with Rav Zone from his album Insert Disc 02. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, it is time for the news of the weird. And as usual, I am looking for something similar to, but uh, different from news of the weird in the same sort of digest format as I'm trying to say, but failing miserably. Uh, If uh, you have any information of such a thing, please let me know over on uh, Twitter at SquareSym, S-Y-M. Also, I do not read these stories ahead of time. Some of these may not jive well with all audiences, but they have been scanned for objectionable content. This segment is about 13 to 15 minutes long or so, so take that as you will. Our lead story for today, Mystery Solved. Along the Irwaz coast in Brittany, France, Residents have been puzzled by a mysterious phenomenon for more than 30 years. Broken pieces of orange plastic landline phones in the shape of the cartoon character Garfield have been washing up on the beach. I've actually seen this story, come to think of it. BBC News reports the mystery has now been solved. A local farmer remembered the phone parts started showing up after a particularly fierce storm in the early 1980s, and more important, he also knew the location of a lost shipping container and a sea cave accessible only at low tide. Members of the R. Viltan Sioux anti-litter campaign climbed down to the cave and found not only the remains of the container, but also more Garfield phones preserved better than any that had made it to the beach. The container cannot be removed, so officials have pledged to keep picking up Garfield phones as they wash ashore. That must have been one bad Monday for Garfield. Our next story, unclear on the concept. Bystanders at Moscow's Domodedovo Airport got an unexpected show on March 23rd when an unnamed man made his way through Ural Airlines flight registration then suddenly stripped off all his clothes and ran onto the jet bridge. A fellow passenger told RENTV he shouted that he was naked because clothing impairs the aerodynamics of the body. He flies with more agility when undressed. The nude man, who hails from uh, Yakutsk, but uh, lives near Moscow, was intercepted by airport staff before he made it to the plane and was turned over to police, then moved to a hospital. Witnesses said he did not appear to be drunk. I mean, sure, maybe he wasn't drunk. Maybe he is just a mad scientist who's trying to prove his theory. Um, or maybe it was something else entirely. There's no way to be sure. Well, there there might be a way to be sure, but it is beyond the scope of News of the Weird. So let's just move on to how every day is a holiday. And I'm seeing the word vasectomy in the middle of this, so that's going to be... Okay. You don't need to be celebrating a birthday to get a special cake these days. In Nashville, bakers at Signature Desserts made the news in early March when they filled an order for uh, a woman trying to sweeten the deal for her husband who was undergoing a vasectomy. Fox 17 reported that uh, the cake was decorated with lemons and read 100% juice, no seeds, 
Hypervasectomy. Sure. The pleased recipient loved it, according to his wife. The news outlet also reports that doctors see a big spike in vasectomies during the NCAA basketball tournament when men have a constant source of entertainment as they heal. I mean, I guess... That seems like a stereotype. I prefer my entertainment in the form of Twitch or YouTube, personally, but... You do you! As long as you're enjoying yourself and you're not hurting anyone. There you go. Fashion victim. I hate when this happens. Jared, this actually what it says, and Jared Randall Womack, 37, agreed to exchange pants with another man in Boulder, Colorado on January 22nd. I also hate when that happens. How often does it happen? I don't know. But after the trade, he decided he didn't like the other man's pants after all, so Womack stabbed the man in the back. Excuse me? Detectives investigating the incident later found that uh, the pens in question soiled with feces, which could be the reason for the altercation, according to the police affidavit. The Daily Camera reported that Womack was eventually charged with first-degree attempted murder, uh, two counts of first-degree assault and robbery, the stabbing victim sustained life-threatening injuries. I don't like your pants. They have poo in them. You're going to pay for it, apparently. <sighs> Who gets the idea to just trade pants out of nowhere? Uh, anyway. Put away the knives, ladies and gentlemen, when you're trading your pants. That's all I gotta say. Our next story, seriously? Oh boy. At Palapas, that's the actual name, seriously. At Palapas Tacos in Anaheim, California, the menu is presented in English and Spanish, which proved to be a bridge too far for one customer on March 25th. On that day, a Monday, the unnamed man saw a sign advertising fish tacos for $1.99 all day under the heading Especial de Viernes, or Friday Special. He became upset when he found out he couldn't get the Friday Special on Monday, yelling, That's bull! It says it in Mexican. We're not in Mexico. We're in America. I'm an American. <clears throat> Palapas' owner, Juan Del Rio, followed the man outside to talk to him, but the man pulled out his phone and saying he was going to call, quote, Immigration, because you're not legal. Ah, <sighs> some people. <laughs> I just, uh, next quote, I just feel like it's sad that there's people who actually think like that, Del Rio told Fox 11, but over a taco? I'm sure that this story was the taco of the town, and I don't apologize for that pun. Mistaken identity, ladies and gentlemen. Passengers on, on a Melbourne, Australia commuter train dove under seats, cried, and texted their loved ones on March 28th when police locked down the flagships at the flagstaff station in response to a report of a man with a rifle case acting suspiciously, according to the Associated Press. As it turned out, Will Austin, a busker aboard the train, excuse me, was performing breathing exercises 
in advance of playing his didgeridoo, an indigenous wind instrument that Austin was carrying in a long bag. Oblivious to police wearing body odor, uh, bo body odor? No. Oblivious to police wearing body armor and carrying assault rifles, Austin admitted, quote, I probably looked pretty suspicious, I suppose, just waltzing around and slowly walking out, end quote, before op officers stopped him to search his bag. Nothing to see here. It's hard to blame them for being suspicious, considering what seems to happen about a hundred times a year nowadays, at the very least. But um, for for once, it is a false alarm. But if you don't like didgeridoo music, you may want to cover your ears. Suspicions confirmed, ladies and gentlemen. Two stories here. Um, yes, two. Two employees of a, an Enterprise rent-a-car store in Arnold, Missouri couldn't figure out why they suddenly felt dizzy and shaky on March 14th, but after visiting an urgent care, they were transferred to a nearby hospital, KMOV reported. Police Lieutenant Clinton Woldridge that's a name, said officers questioned an unnamed 19-year-old Enterprise employee who admitted he put LSD in the water bottles of two of his co-workers as well as in a third worker's coffee cup because they had, quote, negative energy. The two affected workers were fine after the drug wore off, and law enforcement is waiting for lab results before charging the young man, possibly with second-degree assault and possession of a controlled substance. Negative energy is not a good thing. That is for sure. LSD is probably a worse thing. I would say so. Um, there are better ways to deal with negative energy. And I'm probably not the one to ask about that. But there are better ways, I can guarantee you. And our next suspicion being confirmed, the nerve. Solange Transcoso paid $1.99 for a bag of TGI Friday's sour cream and onion potato skins at a Bronx, Bronx convenience store in June 2018. On March 27th, she filed suit against, against TGI Fridays in the U.S. District Court of the Southern District of New York, claiming that the company misleads customers because the snacks contain potato flakes and potato starch, but no skins. According to Reuters, Troncoso claims she and other customers have been defrauded into buying, quote, an inferior product. They're basically chips. I don't see the difference between potato flakes and potato starch and potato chips and potato skins. But if you want your skins so badly, just go to TGI Fridays and order them. That's all I gotta say. I'm sure they're a lot better directly from the source anyway. Anyway, with all that negative energy out of the way, let's move on to something that's a little more awesome. I like doing that. I don't know if you could tell. Along the border between Mexico and the United States, the battle over a wall rages on. But one Los Angeles artist has taken matters into his own hands. Inspired to make America great again, G-R-A-T-E, 
Casimo Caballero is repurposing blocks of expired cotija, a hard cheese from Mexico, to build his own wall in Tecate, California. Caballero's wall is five feet high and he hopes to make it about a thousand feet long, he told the Los Angeles Times. To spend all this money to keep dividing the countries I think is a waste, Caballero said. You see the waste in my wall, but you can't see the waste in Trump's $10 billion wall which in time will be removed? It sounds cheesy, but just love one another. It sounds cheesy, says the man who is building a wall out of cheese. Le mot juste, I gotta say. And our final story for today. Police report. 17 Chicago police officers raided a home on February 10th with a search warrant in hand as a four-year-old child's birthday party was underway. The suspect they sought hadn't lived at that address for five years, WLS-TV reported, but that didn't stop officers from smashing the birthday cake, trashing the apartment, and pointing guns at the birthday boy and his seven-year-old sister, who has now developed a fear of police officers, according to her mother. None of the contraband items were uh, listed in the warrant were found at the home. On March 26th, the family filed a civil rights lawsuit in federal court. It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Let's not make our children afraid of police officers. Don't point guns at children. Well, don't point guns at anyone, really. That just seems like a very rude thing to do. Anyway, that is it for the news of the weird, but let us take a look at today's weather. And um, it is currently 9 degrees here in Halifax and mostly cloudy skies. Uh, looking at uh, showers and a low of 1 degree, uh, plus 1 degree tonight. Uh, not much as far as showers, about 2 to 4 millimeters and pops possibly some fog patches. Uh, developing near midnight. On Saturday, March 30th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus 7 degrees, um, except plus 3 in onshore winds. Uh, at night, we're looking at a low of two, uh, plus 2 degrees and a 30% chance of showers or drizzle. Sunday, March 31st, a 30% chance of showers and a high of plus 9, going down to a low of plus 3 and uh, showers at night. It's gonna be a fair amount of showers actually over the week. As we look at Monday, April 1st, no joke, there's going to be a 6% chance of rain, uh, rain showers or flurries and a high of plus 5 going down to a low of minus 3 in cloudy skies at night. Tuesday, April 2nd, a 30% chance of showers and a high of plus 7 going down to a low of 0 and a 30% chance of rain showers or flurries at night. Wednesday, April 30, a 6% chance of uh, flurries or rain showers, and a high of plus 5 going down to a low of 0, and a 30% chance of showers. And on Thursday, April 4th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus 8 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and it is time for a little bit of music.
That was Trayson with Ambition, and quite an ambition indeed. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. You're home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky, and it is time for gaming next month. Yes, it is the last Friday of the month, which means we are going to look at the releases that are coming out on April 2019. Before I mention that, I'm looking at the list for March here, and it's like double the size that it was when we um, ended February, so just to notice that you can always see an up-to-date list on GameInformer.com. Anyway, we are starting with uh, two releases on April 2nd. We have Bomber Crew Complete Edition for the PS4 and Switch and Darksiders War Mastered Edition for the Switch. On April 5th, we have Super Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission for the Switch and PC. April 9th, we have one, two, three, four, five new releases. Wow. Uh, starting with Dangerous Driving for the PS4 and Xbox One, we have Neo Atlas 1469 for the Switch. Shovel Knight Showdown is coming out for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, and Mac. Um, and Ace Attorney Trilogy is coming out for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. And finally, Zankai Zero, um, or Zanki Zero rather, last beginning for the PS4 and PC. April 11th, we have Earth Defense Force Iron Rain coming out for the PS4. The very next day, we have the Nintendo Labo VR kit coming out for the Switch. And the very next day after that, April 13th, we have Konami Arcade Classics for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Uh, April 16th, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 releases there as well, uh, starting with Anno 1800 for the PC. We have Final Fantasy uh, X, or 10 rather, and 10-2 HD Remaster for the Xbox One and Switch. Tanks Meet Zombies for the Switch, as well as Wasteland 2 also for the Switch, and World War Z for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. April 17th, we have Truberbrook for the PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. A lot of Switch releases this month. I like it. Uh, speaking of Switch releases, Cuphead is coming out for the Switch on April 18th. On April 19th, we have Our World Has Ended for the PS4. Uh, April 23rd, we have two releases, Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen. Uh, for the Switch and Mortal Kombat 11 for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. April 26 brings us three new releases, including Box Boy and Box Girl for the Switch, Day is Gone for PS4, and Super Meat Boy Forever for six systems. Nope, uh, yeah, six systems. PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, iOS, and Android, making it possibly the largest release that I've seen on uh, gaming next month so far. And uh, Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age, caps off the list on April 30th for the Xbox One and Switch. So that is what is coming up in April for video games. Lots of exciting stuff that I'm seeing here. So grab on and um, find something you like, get playing. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
That was Dew by Tiasu, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Alright, and today I want to talk about a game. Three of them, in fact, as I've been wont to do. Back in the NES days, the video game industry was just recovering from the huge crash which happened in the Atari days, caused in part by the copious amount of poor quality games which was being made available. As a result, Nintendo had some population control in effect as far as games coming out. For instance, companies had to be registered as Nintendo developers in order to get legitimate information on how to handle the system's lockout chip. Even then, publishers were only allowed to put, to put out five games per year. Some publishers got around that by creating and registering multiple, uh, multiple publishing branches, such as Konami creating Ultra Games. Others, however, came up with ways to effectively cause the lockout chip to crash, which in some cases could be harmful to the system, but usually would let us play some of these third-party games from companies which didn't have a proper license. How were those games, though? Well, let's take a look. Let's start with Big Nose the Caveman. This is a platformer game developed by Optimus Software and Codemasters, published by Camerica, and released in 1991. One day, the eponymous quote-unquote hero sees a pterodactyl flying in the sky and decides that this will be his dinner. Little did he know about the dangers he would face in his unyielding pursuit. So let's start with the presentation, shall we? The music is sort of interesting. There's almost something to it, I would say. However, for what little of it there is, compared to how many levels there are, it can get it can easily get pretty grating. Uh, the sounds are pretty much there, nothing in particular to speak of there, honestly, and the graphics, while not particularly inventive, are fine for an NES game of this era. They're not particularly uh, offensive to the eyes or any such thing. Pretty much where this game falls flat, like totally flat, is its mechanics and level design. The game generally just doesn't feel all that great to play, and it's not really just a single thing. The controls feel just a little too stiff, uh, the levels sometimes feel like they might be on repeat, and if those don't, the three and a half bosses in this game definitely do. The game does provide the player with a long-range attack, but the moment they take a hit, it's gone, along with any item that they got in shops. By the way, the shops in this game feel like they almost come randomly. They don't, but they certainly feel that way. And there is no way to tell which one is which and what contains what um, until after the player visits them. Oh, and by the way, you only get to visit one single shop per intermission. Didn't you just didn't get the one you wanted? Well, that's too bad. Well, anyhow, this game, I guess was good enough to warrant a sequel, Big Nose Freaks Out, but as far as I'm concerned, it's pretty much a hard pass. Next up is Gauntlet. Uh, now this was a top-down adventure game developed and published by Tengen and released in 1987. The evil Morak has stolen the sacred orb of Rendar, among other valued treasures, and it's up to four heroes, Thor the warrior, Thyra the Valkyrie, Merlin the wizard, and Questor the elf, to face his dangerous 100-floor gauntlet and take them back. 
In presentation, this is a pretty simple game. There's not really a whole lot more to say about it, honestly. The graphics are simple, the music is simple, the sounds are, well, some of them are a little sharp to the ear, if I'm being honest. This game doesn't really uh, exist to show off the console's abilities, it's there so that people can play the arcade classic at home, and that part, it does well enough. Mind you, this game isn't particularly easy. You only get one shot on the screen at, time, at a time, which, when the screen is overrun with enemies, can get a little troublesome. Sometimes it becomes a game of what method is more efficient to get through a screen as they, uh, the player has a food counter which is continuously dwindling down and will result in the player's death if it hits zero. So will it take longer to shoot groups of enemies down as they keep spawning from generators or just plow through everything and tank the extra damage? Where's the nearest food pickup? Oh dear, the wizards shot the food again. In any case, for as simple as this game is, it also makes it simple to pick up and quick uh, simple to pick up for a quick round but if you intend to run the gauntlet be prepared for a tough challenge finally we'll take a look at action 52 this is a game collection developed and published by active enterprises and released in 1991 this game is this is what is this anyway now I completely agree that in order to get big in any field, you need to act just a little bigger than you actually are. However, Active Enterprises was definitely overextending on this concept. They got this idea that they could release 52 games in one cartridge, and that this idea would be such a blockbuster hit that they would charge what they made sound like a paltry amount of about $4 per game. Doing this nowadays isn't too much of a problem, especially when we're talking about platforms like Steam or something like that. However, keep in mind that all 52 games are a package deal. You can't just buy them individually. So, do the math for a second. This game went for $199. Yeah. Now... Watch out for a moment, because I am going to say one nice thing about the game, and it also goes for the Genesis version, because yes, there was a Genesis version put out before the company ultimately folded. For the thing that they were trying to do, where they had 52 games with up to 9 levels each, they had a good framework in place. The, the player picks a game, the framework runs a routine where it calls the game loop for the requested game at the appropriate level, and the game loop returns a result of either true for the player finished the level, or false for the player lost a life. It's simple, but it does what it needs to do and does that part well. Where it falls drastically short is in the quality of the games themselves. Many of the platformers featured have a problem where jumping halts movement so the player has to start a jump, then start moving left or right in that order. Some of the games are, uh, are incomprehensible, some of them are repetitive, some seem like car carbon copies of each other, some don't even start. Ooze, which boasted a prize of $104,000 for the, per the first person to complete it, was actually impossible to complete because of a glitch in level 3. Even when the bugs were fixed and a revision was released a few year, uh, year or so later, the win message still didn't pop up. Whether it was glitched in such a way that it didn't pop up accidentally or maybe they just quietly removed it from the game is um, not particularly known. 
And then there's the Cheetah Men. Ah, yes, the Cheetah Men, which was which were meant to be Active Enterprises mascots. Helvet planned all sorts of things for these guys, such as comic books, merchandise, and a Saturday morning cartoon. Well, the commercial for this game was actually decently animated, so maybe the cartoon would have been fine if it had been produced, which it didn't, because this game is a trash fire. So, if you really absolutely want to experience this game, there are Let's Plays of it. I can mention Kikoski has done a Let's Play of it, Frank Amatic's done a Let's Play of it. You know, just watch it, and that way you'll actually be entertained by this piece of garbage. Don't play it yourself. I mean, unless you want to make your own video of it, and that's. I suppose that's a goal that someone can have. And that's my look at some unlicensed games. There are plenty of others, including several pirate titles such as Super Mario Bros. 4, 6, 8, 11, 13, 14, 16, and 17. Where the missing numbers are, I don't know. Uh, Super Mario World and Super Mario World 9, Somari, 7 Grandad, the list goes on. But I wanted to show off those games that were at least trying to put out original properties. Some of these are fine, but for many of them, I'm pretty sure the Nintendo seal of quality existed for a reason. Then again, we got Highlight and Deadly Towers. Eh, who knows. Anyway, that has been my look at unlicensed games. How about you guys? Are there any particular unlicensed games that stand out in memory? Are they? Is it because they're good games? Or is it because they're bad games? Let me know over on Twitter at SquareSim, S-Y-M. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax.
That was R.R. Thiel with FCP4 Second Nature. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That last one was Bus, which is an earthbound overclocked remix by Shadow. And that brings us to the end of our hour for today. Hope that you enjoyed your time here on Square Wave Symphony. And uh, of course, there will be another episode next week. What shall we talk about? What shall we talk about? I don't know. And um, I I often don't know what I'm going to be doing the next week. But... Um, it's probably going to be something related to video games, chiptunes, and or all things weird and geeky, because that's the thing that I like to do in this show. Um, just be one moment with you guys, because I forgot to bring up a thing. There we go. All right, let's close up this show like we always do. Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Gaming Next Month is powered by Game Informer, gameinformer.com. Segment music composed by Format, Madame Noriki Kamikura, Simon Whittington, uh, Sean Daly, Nifless, and Ensnare. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by the Witching Hour, um, Earth and Sky, I believe, at 7 p.m. And at 8.30, anything goes with CKDU Surprise. Comments, questions, or want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. 
There's also a podcast version available of this show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim or ser- just search for Squarewave Symphony. Squarewave is one word. On Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio, or almost anywhere that you can find your podcasts. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know. I'll see you guys next time.